You're listening to a message from Oaks Church, Brooklyn. Our longing is to see heaven come to earth in our city. For more information on our church and community, please visit oaksbk.church. My name is Tina. I'm one of the deacons of generosity here, and I'm going to read this morning's scripture to you. I'm going to switch from phone to Bible here. Um, The text comes from Acts 15, verses 22 through 31. Then the apostles and elders with the whole church decided to choose some of their own men and send them to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas. They chose Judas, Paul, Barsabas, and Silas, men who were leaders among the believers. With them, they sent the following letter. The apostles and elders, your brothers, to the Gentile believers in Antioch, Syria, and Cilicia, greetings. We have heard that some went out from us without our authorization and disturbed you, troubling your minds by what they said. So we all agreed to choose some men and send them to you with our dear friends, Barnabas and Paul, men who have risked their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, we are sending Judas and Silas to confirm by word of mouth what we are writing. It seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us not to burden you with anything beyond the following requirements. You are to abstain from food sacrificed to idols, from blood, from the meat of strangled animals, and from sexual immorality. You will do well to avoid these things. Farewell. So the men were sent off and went down to Antioch, where they gathered the church together and delivered the letter. The people read it and were glad for its encouraging message. This is the word of the Lord. Uh, If we haven't met, I'm Patrick Boatwright, one of the pastors here. And I honestly just have a genuinely curious question. Uh, It's two-parter. One, you can answer either one. Why are you here? Like, why are you here this morning? And two, why do you think, like, we're here? Like, what's what's the whole purpose of this whole rigmarole? Anybody? You can just shout it out. I'm curious. What was that? Love. Love. Thank you, Jess. Community. Okay. Hope. Hope. Anybody? Why? Are, why are you here? Because I love Jesus. Okay. Good. I hope so. You were leading these songs. <laughs> What's that? Common goals and interests. Okay. Yeah. There's no. There's no trick answer. I'm not gonna. Restoration. Hey, sister, I got you. Yeah. Free coffee. Free coffee. Hey. Glad you didn't say good coffee. Accountability. Accountability. Okay. 
why, why are, why do you, why are like we here? There's a lot, there's like a, hours of like work. Like there are people here at like eight o'clock, uh, which means they got up even early just to like get here and to like move all these pieces around for what and for why? Why do you think that happens? Why are we here this morning? What's the purpose of all this? To live out God's plan on earth. Only wrong answers are dishonest ones. To worship God. To worship God. Give me like two more. I'll get I'll get out of your hair. What was that? To give back to the community. Last one, who's going to give it to me? Why are we here? Faith. Faith? All right. I'm just curious. I'm just generally curious. Uh, I'm curious because I've just been noticing some things as I've like, so over the last few months, and we've talked about it as a team. And um, So I came to this community in August of 2020. You might have remembered we were going through a pandemic then. Uh, <laughs> It looked nothing like this. Uh, at the time, because of restrictions, we could only have 20 people in this space. Uh, and so they were on the floor, and Meg meticulously uh, measured out six feet between each of these 20 chairs. Uh, and everybody's got on their like, mask and like, gloves, and there's so much Lysol. Um, and, uh, and we're like doing this church thing, and I remember my first Sunday, even in that, it was like 20 people. Uh, I like wept because the church I had come from, we met in a school and because of that, we couldn't meet in person any longer. So I had gone months without like being in a space like this. And there was just something like activating, uh, just being able to like sing, even though I couldn't like breathe, you know? And I was like, felt like Darth Vader, but it was just, so I don't know if it was the mask or the community, but I think it was a little bit of both. I just found this thing really beautiful. And I know that some, that resonates with some of you because I've been here as we've like expanded. And I remember a lot of you coming back in for the first time and weeping and just being like, this is, I have longed to just be able to just be amongst God's people. And that was just for COVID. I've seen some of you, I've heard some of your stories and you've come because you haven't been in a space like this in six, 10, 12 years for all manner of reasons. This has not been a healthy environment for you. And I've give witness to you coming and being in a place. I was talking to Nick, uh, one of our prayer leaders today, and he was saying, I've talked to people just today who were expressing that in this place they found a level of like confidence and, and the ability to just be that is like, they can't find it anywhere else. It's been truly holy. What an amazing thing. I bring all that up to say something that I've noticed, and uh, I'm speaking particularly at this moment 
for those of us who regularly come together and gather here as the people of God. Um, if I'm honest, I, I've noticed a bit of a malaise creeping in. Like, you know, I just sit in the back and I've watched how we like kind of come rolling in and and it's, it's kind of has the same energy that we would a, a baseball game. And what I mean by that is like, I, I know, Ryan, I'm sorry. People don't go to baseball games for baseball. <laughs> people go to baseball games, this is a good time. And you can like, don't have to pay attention for half of it and you still be okay. Uh, and the hot dogs are good, you know? Uh, as we kind of roll in, like we would kind of this like, like a social event, you know? And that's evident from when we roll in, the tenor of how we roll in, when we come into this space and just kind of watched as, as we've like, just kind of took it a, a bit easy. And it's been stark to me when I think about how precious it was when we couldn't gather. And when we came in here and it was like, Holy ground. You remember when Moses meets, meets the Lord in this burning bush? He says, take off your shoes. This is holy ground. There's just something about the environment that like, when I walk in, it, it, it grasps me. I'm here in the presence of God to, to be witness to and to give experience and to give praise back to God. That's why I'm here. And I think one of the, one of the beauties of the burden of COVID was that a lot of us, if we're honest, before COVID came, because it's just kind of what you did, right? I'm a Christian or I'm spiritual and like, this feels like what I do on my Sunday mornings. And then when we couldn't do it, like there's a reason why I think some, a lot of us didn't ever come back. And I don't hold that with a heavy heart. I think that's good because it's liberating, right? The brunch is too good in the city to just like be here just to be here. And there's a lot of other things you could be doing that are probably way more satisfying uh, if this is just about like getting some kicks. But where I'm going with all this, I just want us to, to call attention to, to this question, why am I here? Why are we here? And we're not all coming for the exact same reasons. I think that's okay, but in general, at the base of it, what's my primary reason for stepping into this place, giving my, my morning and my time and my attention and navigating trains and traffic and all the things we do to be in this space for an hour and a half if he gets on with it and <laughs> keeps, keeps the message short. Um, It leads us into where we're going with our teaching text. Uh, if you haven't been here, we're in this series called Messy Church, right? Uh, and, and we have been talking, this community is in kind of this inflection point where we are um, being solidified by the Lord and I think into the community that we're gonna be for the next season 
of, of this body, right? However long this season lasts, I don't really know, but, but I know that the Lord is kind of like pulling us all together uh, into the people that he wants us to be. And so we're trying to be intentional about what that, that looks like. And we've been talking a lot about what it means to be the people of God and for us in particular. And a lot of that has been really inspiring and like poetic and I think uplifting. And so it just made sense that we needed to to really uh, guard ourselves from lionizing or mythologizing um, or, or you know, whitewashing the reality that while what the Lord wants to do for us, in us, through us, the people that he wants us to be, it truly is a beautiful picture. It is not beautiful because it is undefiled. It is not beautiful because everything is in its place. It's beautiful because this place is messy. Being the people of God is messy business, and there's no clean way to do a messy thing. But it can be good. It can be healthy. It can be growing. And so we've been trying to, to, to look at the early church. So oftentimes when we talk about those people, we talk about this utopia, like these people just like had the biggest bonfires and s'mores and everything was great, and it's just not the case. It's just not the case. And so we've been giving ourselves to journeying through Acts and to look at the stories of the messiness of the early church and see how it may speak to us here today, some 2,000 years removed. Uh, last week, we talked about bias. Uh, we talked about how uh, in that first church, they, they were sometimes given unintentionally, but but socially violent all the same, to letting their, their preferences become their principles, and, they were, and that was excluding certain people. And today, we're actually gonna somewhat kind of continue a little bit on that journey, but we're gonna be talking about boundary lines. Our teaching text, you heard, was essentially a letter. It was a letter sent from the heads of the church to this other bustling church. Uh, and I want us to just give ourselves to it because I think there's something instructive for us. So uh, to set the stage, what we have here, so this is some um, five to 10 years after Jesus has died or resurrected, right? The early church is thriving, is spreading throughout uh, Asia Minor. And you have Jerusalem, which is kind of the, it is the, the central hub of the church. It is that way because uh, the leaders of the Jerusalem church were the apostles. These were the, the 11 men and, and the one added after Judas who were actually under the teachings and under the stewardship of Jesus directly. And so they have been tasked with really maintaining the fidelity and the purity of the gospel and message of Jesus Christ. And so from Jerusalem, people have been sent out all over taking the good news of the gospel, not just to Jewish communities, but to Gentile communities. One of those places was a city named Antioch. Antioch was this kind of cosmopolitan, vibrant city. If you know much about your ancient history, you maybe have heard of the Silk Road, which is this, this trade route out of China all the way in through Europe. And so Antioch was centered on the Silk Road, and so you had a lot of commerce, you had a lot of, of, of cultural interactions. And so in this place of Antioch, a church has risen up. And this church consisted of uh, Hebraic Jews. These were Jews that had uh, been raised their whole lives under the Torah uh, and in Jerusalem, right? 
And then you had Hellenistic Jews, which are, which are kind of Greek. They're, they're probably more liberally-minded Jews. They've, they were raised in, in metropolitan, cosmopolitan cities. And so they are familiar with the world outside of the Torah. And then you had Gentiles, people who were not a part of the, of the Judaic faith, uh, but had now come into the faith because they had believed the gospel. And so you've got this multi-ethnic, multicultural, multi-social economic, all the multis, they're in this church. And they're trying to figure out how we live, right? So, along the way, some men come from the Jerusalem church. And these men were former Pharisees. If you aren't familiar, Pharisees were the strictest of Jews. They, they believed in holding to the Torah uh, beyond what even it called them to because they felt that righteousness was found in their, their strict obedience and adherence to the law of God, even though they just failed at it time and again. So these people, these Pharisees, have now become Christians. They have become followers of Jesus. But they haven't quite let go of that way of living in some ways. And namely, when they come into this community and they see all these Gentiles, that they are rightfully happy are there, they have a small issue. See, the sign of the Jewish people that you were a part of the covenant was that you were circumcised. And now you have all these Gentiles that are coming into this faith and they're reaping all the benefits of the faith, but they didn't have to get circumcised. And so these, these, these Pharisaic Jews, they come to Antioch and they say, hey, you Gentiles, glad you're here, but we need you to be circumcised. You can imagine how that went over. <laughs> so now there's this huge like uproar in this church about what do you mean we need to be circumcised? And it's not just, it's not just the Gentiles that have problems with this mandate. But also you had people like Paul and Barnabas, who were also former Pharisaic Jews. These two men had taken the gospel throughout Asia Minor, and they have now come back to Antioch that they helped found, and they are coming with testimonies of how they've seen Gentiles, people who didn't have all the baggage of the Torah, who didn't have uh, the, the promise of a Messiah, who lived completely differently and under different cultures and under different theisms, and now they've seen the gospel come to those people. The Spirit of God enveloped those people and do signs and wonders, and so they are convinced that God is indeed, indeed calling the Gentiles into this faith. And so when they hear this mandate that these people need to do anything other than what they've been doing, which is believing in their heart that Jesus Christ is Lord and confessing with their mouth that God raised him from the dead. They have a problem with it too. So we've got a big old fight. It gets pretty messy. And at some point, somebody's like, we gotta, we gotta take, run this up the flagpole. So they send men to Jerusalem. Again, Jerusalem's the hub. And they say, hey, guys, what do we do here, right? And so the apostles gather and the church gathers and they start to confer. And they're arguing out essentially what they're asking. Are these Gentiles taking the gospel serious enough? It's easy to kind of dismiss the Pharisees and their like whole circumcision bit. 
But I think we have to realize what's happening here. What they're saying is their identity before Jesus was founded in this faith. That their status as a people, an identified people of God, identified not just in their beliefs, not just in their actions, but in their very bodies. That's how they knew of themselves to be the people of God. And so now Jesus has come and he's fulfilled all that and they're happy for that. But it seems just incongruent that you could have the gospel of Jesus and it not just be like born out physically in your body. So that's why they're fighting for this circumcision. We just don't know if these Gentiles are really taking it serious enough. I think that's somewhat of a fair argument. It's a question worth asking. Right? These people are coming in. Maybe you've got that band that you've liked, you know? And you're like, okay, I'm really glad that you heard, like, uh, isn't, she lo- isn't she wonderful? But, like, do you know about Intervisions? Like, do you know the deep cuts of Stevie Wonder? Right? <laughs> so they're wrestling back and forth. Okay, what do we do? And essentially, a couple of men step up. First, Peter. Peter's one of the, the leaders of the church. And Peter just basically gives testimony, again, of how he himself, a strict Jew, was called by Jesus. He had this, this whole miraculous story that, that, for time's sake, we won't get into. But he had this whole story where God called him specifically to the house of this Gentile. And Peter watched as the Holy Spirit fell on these Gentile believers, right? And they literally saw like the, the smoke and the fire and they, and they saw these, these Gentiles begin to like exhibit the signs of the Spirit being in them. And so Peter's like, they weren't circumcised and God gave them the Spirit. So what are we even doing here? And Paul and Barnabas, they stand up and they go, guys, look, listen to the things that we've seen. We've seen people like come up from the dead. We've seen healings. We've seen all sorts of signs and wonders done by Gentiles. The spirit of God is among them. So then finally, James, who's like the leader of the Jerusalem church, he's also uh, the brother of Jesus, which I would imagine carries a level of clout. Uh, (laughs) James stands up and essentially James says, what we're arguing about has already been settled. When you look at the testimony of the prophets, the prophets being those those men and women of old who, who spoke the word of God, who prophesied, who foretold that Jesus was going to come. When you look at these prophecies, it is very clear that God always intended for the Gentiles to become a part of this faith. And if that's the case, then they don't need to do anything else. The question that was being asked was, how are they here? And how are we here? Are we here through the circumcision of our body? Are they here just because they got to come in late and they don't have to do that? And James is like, we're all here for the same, in the same way because there was a God who invited us freely to his table. Don't get caught up 
and what your invitation looked like. Just know that you didn't deserve it and it was sent to you anyway. So they write this letter that we just read. And the Jerusalem church, they send some men, uh, some trusted men, because the last men they sent got them into this whole mess. Uh, so they send these, these faithful guys to, to deliver this message to the church. This is our decision about what it means to be a Christian, about why we're here. The meat of it is this, verse 28. It seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us not to burden you with anything beyond the following requirements. You are to abstain from food sacrificed to idols, from blood, from the meat of strangled animals, and from sexual immorality. You would do well to avoid these things. Now, if you've been paying attention, you're probably like, wait, what? Because <laughs> I thought we just talked about they didn't need to do anything. <laughs> so, but this letter says they need to do things. So that's a little confusing. Well, I'm going to try to summarize what is a, a wild and raucous theological conversation in those corners, if you ever wanted to be a part of such a thing. Uh, but essentially, these prohibitions, these, these four things, that this don't eat meat sacrificed from idols, don't mess with blood, uh, don't strangle animals, and, and stay away from sexual immorality. They are references to rules that are found throughout the Levitical law. But they are not a direct link. The, the, James and the, and the leaders of Jerusalem are not writing to the Antioch church and pulling like, hey, well, here are the, here are the Levitical laws you do need to make sure you keep to um, or else. No, this is not what's happening. What's happening here is kind of a, a mix of things that at best where theological scholars kind of land is that what's happening here is kind of implicit. What's being implied here, these four things were practices that were common in the pagan churches or the pagan cults around Antioch, right? And so Gentiles who weren't in the faith, those, those, uh, those religions that they were practicing often involved ritualistic sacrifices of animals and also involved like temple prostitution. So in this letter, Though they are requirements and mandates, essentially what is being told to the, the Gentiles of Antioch is this. Hey, Jews, they don't need to be circumcised. Hey, Gentiles, remember that this is about the grace of God. This is about Jesus. And so stay above reproach. Don't carry on in the ways that the other Gentiles do. But remember that this is about Jesus. And, the, and so what they're calling them to is to not to practice the ways of the people that were outside of the church. And this is why when the people received the letter in verse 30, it says, so the men were sent off, went down to Antioch where they were gathered the church and delivered the letter, verse 31. The people read it and were glad for its encouraging message because they weren't being imposed upon. Basically, they were saying, hey, stay faithful to Jesus and exhibit that in the way that you live. 
to which the Gentiles are like, great, that's why we were here. We're here for Jesus and Jesus alone. We don't need meat sacrificed to idols. We want to be sexually pure because this is what it means to be in love with Jesus. And this is why we are here. So what does this kind of do for us here 2,000 years later? I go back to those questions. Why are you here? Why are we here? I would say that if the primary reason that you or us as a community are here is for any other thing than to give God his due glory, then we've lost the rope. We've missed the point. We're wasting our time. What we are doing here is experiencing the fullness of our purpose. Our purpose as people is to declare the glory of God. It is to reflect back to him that he is good, that he is faithful, that he is true, that he is everlasting, that he is over everything, and he is right beside me, and he sees me through, and he girds my feet, and he steadies my eyes, and he renews my mind, and he gives me breath, and he holds my spirit, and he heals my body. This is what the Lord does. Amen? Yeah. This is what this is about. Why we gather here is because we get to just praise God together. I was thinking about this the other day. I was talking with friends. We were, we were oh, we are at North Brooklyn Angels, uh, which is where, if you aren't familiar, where we uh, prepare meals every other week for, for our neighbors in our community. Thank you, Robbie, who, who heads that up. Um, but we were there, and we're, we're like serving. We're putting the food in the box, and, and on comes, um, uh, come on, Eileen. And it's, come on, Eileen. Oh, uh, uh. that's all I know. I only know, come on, Eileen. And you only know, come on, Eileen. Uh, <laughs> you know, so we're all, we're all singing this thing. And, and I had this question. I was like, would you rather be known for having written this catchy lyric or like a really amazing air guitar thing? We had this whole debate. This question you can talk about at brunch today. Um, but my point was, like, don't you love those moments where that song comes on and it's like, it doesn't matter where you grew up or what you look like. Somehow everybody knows the words to Billie Jean, you know? And it just kind of does something to a room or like Fresh Prince of Bel-Air and you have to rap the entire thing with everyone because I'm not even gonna start it because we'd have to go there. Uh, but there's something like electrifying about it. There's something like, restorative about it. That we hold this thing that has crossed boundary lines. This thing that belongs to all of us. What more than the gospel of Jesus? Which is simply that you are loved beyond measure, especially because you don't deserve it. All those deep anxieties you hold about yourself. Can I really be loved? Am I pretty enough? Will I ever be? All those things. Well, what if they're true? What if you aren't 
that pretty. That's what my dad used to say. Like, so. <laughs> he said, son, we're not the prettiest of men. You better learn to cook and tell jokes. Um, I, I got to give it to him. It works. It works. Uh, <laughs> but what if it's true? Are you undone? Are you lost? This thing that you keep working for and running from. What if the gospel of Jesus is saying, even if you were the ugliest, most unlikable, foulest smelling, no one wants to be around you person, you just can't get right, do you know that the creator of the universe loved you so much he was willing to die? Willing to die so that he can come and dwell within you by his spirit and to regenerate you, to make you new, to make you more holy than you were the day before. Not based on anything that you can do, but everything that he's done. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. It liberates us. So if we come in here for anything else, we've lost the point. If you come in here to socialize, then you're gonna to have to maintain respectability. And you're never gonna be able to, to just be true, like to throw your hands up or to lay out on the floor when the spirit moves. If you come in here for a sermon, you'll bring your mind, but you'll never bring your body. And the truth of God will just rattle around in your head. And it's too big to fit up there, so the questions that'll bring will just undo you. If you come here for spirituality, well, then you'll have to maintain the status quo, and you can never just confess that you don't, you don't have it, that some days God feels so distant, and it's hard to pray. If we come here for any other purpose, than to just give God his due glory and to let him do whatever he wants with us. And we've cheated ourselves and we've cheated God. This is the invitation that lays before us to get messy in a beautiful way. To become people of confession and people of praise, people of hugs and, 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 and people of the word of God, people of the, of the shared table. That's the invitation, to just come and reflect his glory back to him. You can't do that wrong unless you hold back. That's the only way. That's the only way. We lost a titan of the faith this week, Tim Keller. Uh, some people are sad for him. I am sad for his family. I'm like rejoicing for him because I know... <laughs> If given the option, Tim's like, I'm good. I'll see y'all later. <laughs> He's in the arms of his Jesus. Oh, my gosh. Must be nice. Um, my wife was like, are you okay? <laughs> She's like, I'm just, I love Jesus. To live is Christ, to die is gain. Tim Keller says this. I love it. The glory of God is available to you in the church in a way it is not available to you anywhere else. 
There is no more important means of discipleship than deep involvement in the life of the church. If you hear in that, there's no deeper discipleship than you uh, finding out how many Sundays you're going to serve. You're, you're missing it. That's not what he's talking about. To be involved in the life of the church means to give yourself to the community. Yes, maybe an expression of that is those like the Holtz and the Odides who came and set out these chairs for you and will make sure they get put away, right? Maybe it's for Janice who's making these, sure these slides are are these incredible ladies, Katie, uh, Emily, uh, Diamond, who, and all the rest that are leading us in worship. Maybe what you're doing, maybe that's your involvement. Um, maybe it's just showing up for the person next to you. And in this time of response that we're by, about to have, maybe it's just looking them in the eye and seeing how they're doing and seeing if there's a way you could pray for them. Maybe it's being honest with them or coming forward for prayer and admitting that you need help and allowing yourself to receive. Whatever it is, there is nothing sweeter and more forming than we come and are actively involved in the body of Christ. It's liberating and it's holistic to be seen I could go on and on, but I'm already over time. Okay, so the band's gonna, the worship band's gonna come back up. The early church was messy because they were asking this same question. Why are we here? What are we doing? What's the whole point of all this? And they landed where I hope we land. And it's just all about Jesus. Y'all can come on up. It's all about Jesus. It's all about coming to worship him. And if you can just come and do that, there's space for you. And if you're learning how to do that, there's also space to you, but that's what we're doing here. And so where will we draw boundaries in this community? The boundary is set at uh, ridding ourselves of all those things that distract us from giving praise to God. With our minds, with our hearts, with our bodies. That's what we're doing here. So, we're going to respond. You can stand. don't know why you're here, why you came. I'm sure the reasons are multifaceted and that's okay. But here's what I hope will be true for each of us. That when you walk out of this door, one thing you will be able to say is, I might have came for the socialization, I might have came for the free coffee but I'm walking away with the worship of God in my heart and the fullness of my purpose. I'm walking away with the experience of his spirit with me. His spirit is among us. It's that thing you can't explain when you're like, this place and these people, I don't know. It just feels safe, I don't know. That's not the people, these, we are unsafe. Um, but the spirit of God is safe. 
And he's here among us, making us healthy and whole. So I'm going to invite us to respond in kind, my friends, to, us, to invite us to bring the fullness of our declaration of the praise of God. May it be on our lips as we sing. May it be in our bodies as we just get on the, the, the rugs of the ground. If you need to dance in the aisle, go ahead. Like, that's good. Uh, may it be in our, may it worship be in our hearts when we confess. Come and receive prayer. Pray with one another. And then we'll also come to the table. And our communion service can come on because we're gonna we're gonna just respond all in mass. So all of this, because all of this is about Jesus, all of this brings us back to the table. Jesus on the night he was betrayed, he took the bread that was on the table and he broke it and he said, this is my body, broken for you. This is the gospel. Jesus gave his body. He said, this is my blood. Shed for you, the blood of the new covenant. I'm establishing a new way of relating. Jesus shed his blood for you. So whenever you gather, do this. and Do this in remembrance of me. So every week as we gather, we take the bread, we take the wine, and we remember the sacrifice of Jesus. And that fuels our worship. What would you give to the person who died for you? So I'm gonna pray for us, and you're gonna come forward and receive the extraordinarily ordinary gifts of God, and then just give him back all his due glory. Amen? Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, we come. We come to give you thanks. We come to receive your love. Those who hunger and thirst for righteousness shall be filled. Lord, may we become greedy today. Greedy for your righteousness. So receive our worship and receive our praise. You are worthy of it all. In your name we pray, amen. So come, come to the table. There's service halfway. Come receive prayer. Let's worship the Lord with all we've got.